Well, good morning. There's something about there's something about worship and prayer that just points us to God in, in a whole different way or, or a very unique way. And you know, we're in the series Blueprint, and we've been talking a lot about our spiritual gifts and how how God has designed us. You know, he he's the he's the grace giver. He he's the one that lavishes his grace upon us. And that not only comes in the forgiveness of sins and promise of eternal life, there's just lots and lots of grace that's extended us. And part of that, the, the, the term in the, in the New Testament for spiritual gifts uh, has connotations of grace gifts. That God has given us gifts that we don't deserve, that we didn't earn. And so we're going to continue that conversation in week four this morning of Blueprint as we close out the series. So I don't know if you've ever ha- had a moment like this, but, but a moment where you thought, I didn't see that coming. Anybody ever had a moment like that? I mean, I have had several of these. One moment happened just a, a few years ago. There was a guy named Adrian that, that I knew, and I had known this guy for years. He was at the time what we called a protege, which essentially meant, uh, meant that, that he was part of the leadership development program that I had started and led, and so he, he was, in a, it was basically an apprenticeship and so I was closer to Adrian in that season of life because of that, but I've kept up with him over the years. Well, um, at the time, Adrian was engaged. And, 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 and pause that for a moment and, and then fast forward and we'll jump back to that. But, but he was engaged. And then what happened was he, he broke up with this girl that was pretty close to the wedding date. And then we moved further through his life. And later he met another girl, married her, had a kid. He's a great dude doing remarkable things with his life. But my I didn't see that coming moment came just a few years ago when I was talking old times with Adrian, and he, in the conversation, said to me, hey, you know you broke us up, man. And I was like, uh, okay. I don't want to think about this. Sorry? He's like, no, 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 not sorry. You know, thank you is what he said. And he said, because I remember the conversation that we had. And, and, and what I didn't see for myself, I helped realize in the conversation that I had with you. Because you sat there with me in, in my struggle and tension and I'm going to marry this girl. But, but really, it would have it damaged us. It would have it been a really a miserable relationship, highly likely, if we even stayed together. And when you were asking me questions and probing deeper and just in it with me, in that moment, what you didn't realize is I was coming to clarity about what I needed to do. And he said to me, that moment changed everything for my life, the whole trajectory of my life. So I guess you could say I have the spiritual gift of breaking people up. Um, So if you're teetering and not sure what to do about your relationship, want to break up, but, you know, not sure if you should, well, just come to me and I'll show you the way. Or if you know another couple... That you're like, yeah, they should break up for whatever reasons you have. Just, you know, send them my way and I'll shower my gift on them. But, uh, but no, seriously, in that moment with Adrian, one of my spiritual gifts, the gift of shepherding, the Bible calls shepherding, came out. And essentially that gift is one that enables people, you have a special God-given ability to be in the stuff of people's lives in a way that cares about them. You, you tend to ask questions and listen attentively and draw things out and just help people process what they're going through and figure out how to find God in that. I mean, that's really the shepherding gift in short. And so over time in my life, I've discovered that gift. I, I've tried to use it and manage it well and steward well and develop it and all of that. And, and I don't have the gift of wisdom, right? So if you sit with me, I might not just shower you with great insights, right? Some of you have that kind of gift, but I will be with you in your stuff. It's this ability and really this draw inside of me that, that I have to, to be with people in that. 
And for Adrian, you know, I, I, I have tried over time to create space for situations like that in my life, to, to use my gift. And for Adrian, that moment was significant for him. It was a deeply impactful moment. And I didn't even realize it in the moment. For Adrian, he got clarity about what he needed to do. And then from there, he just, needed, he, he just knew he needed to have the courage to do what he, know, he now knew what he should do. And that's just one example. It's a snapshot of, of one of my spiritual gifts. You have spiritual gifts, one, two, three, a cluster of them that are very unique to you, that God has given you. And there is great impact that awaits you when you figure out what that gift or set of gifts is. We don't often know the impact that our gifts have, but chances are this is true about you, that you can look back in your life and you have moments where someone's come up to you and you've had that moment where, you know, you didn't know that was coming or you didn't know the impact that you had on that person. But it was your spiritual gift at work because that's how spiritual gifts work. God uses them in unique ways for us to make a difference in someone's life in a way that only we can make. And I think God sometimes keeps us humble in that so we don't even get to know or we know later down the road that it's altered someone's life or trajectory even or met someone in a moment of deep change and impact. And again, that you didn't even realize it. And and so when you think about spiritual gifts, maybe you weren't here last week, I'm not sure, but a quick catch up. We've been talking about spiritual gifts. They're God-given special abilities. They're, They're divine endowments, you could say. God gives to every follower of Jesus Christ. You have at least one, if not two or three, your gift cluster or gift mix. They are grace gifts. We are equipped by God, uniquely designed by God to use our gifts to serve others, to build up the body of Christ, to serve the world around us, and ultimately to glorify God by the using and developing of our gift. Your spiritual gifts are such an important aspect of who God designed you to be, no matter what your gifts are. And there are no insignificant spiritual gifts. And your gifts help you understand what motivates you most. They help you understand what your best fit is when it comes to ministry. And all of us are called, if we're a follower of Jesus, and we have a ministry, a specific purpose that God has for your life. And it also helps you clarify where your greatest impact is going to be. And so we're charged to discover that. And so this morning, what I want to do together is I want to take you on a spiritual gift tour. Last week, we talked some about a variety of different spiritual gifts. You can go back and listen to the podcast or watch the video to pick up. Today is like, is like spiritual gifts 2.0, in a sense, continuation of last week. And we'll touch on a few of the gifts, and we'll go deeper than, than last week on, on some of them, and then we'll add some new to the mix. And as I, as I take you through a tour of these gifts, what, what I encourage you to do is self-identify, for one, what might your gift be, or two or three gifts might be? And perhaps as I'm talking about a different gift that you go, yeah, that's not me, you can identify someone you know, perhaps in our community, or maybe not, that has one of those gifts. Because here's the deal about you. I think every follower of Jesus, Jesus should have a goal that they know with utter clarity what their spiritual gift or gifts are. That's what the Bible challenges us to do, to know what they are. And that's a process sometimes to figure that out, and you do it in community. But you were created for a specific purpose. You're not an accident. Your talents, gifts, abilities, your spiritual gifts 
or we're given for a specific set of reasons, and God has a purpose. And so I want you to know that by the end of today, if you don't already, and if you already do, hopefully you'll get some clarity on your gift or perhaps other people's gifts that you know. This is such an important part of the church working right. It's such an important part of really God's purposes in the world happening. We get to be part of that. That's why this is so important. So let me frame our conversation with two texts in particular. And again, we touched on some of these gifts as I read. And in your program today, we also gave you a really a resource. It's one sheet of paper stuffed in there. has definitions of about 20-something spiritual gifts. That's for you to take home, use, you know, learn more about spiritual gifts that we may or may not talk, have talked about that thoroughly throughout the series. But in Romans 12, we talked lots about that last week. We find seven, what, what we're calling the motivational gifts. That, and and the, the idea is how we categorize spiritual gifts. Right? We think it's, um, it's important to know that these are the motivational gifts, that everybody has one motivational gift. That seems to be what Paul's saying. I won't go into all that again. But in Ephesians 4, we find five specific ministry gifts. We'll read about that in a second. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, we find nine what some people call manifestation gifts or the charismatic gifts sometimes they're referred to. Those are things like word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, miracles, healing, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation. Um, there's other ones in there. Um, yeah, but, but, but these are gifts of, that are very important. They're in operation today. This series doesn't have enough space to go into all those. Those take multi-levels of explanation and teaching and instruction and kinds of things. I'll talk about a couple of those today in a few minutes. But those are the nine manifestation gifts. So we come to Ephesians chapter 4, and we find this text. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, these five gifts mentioned, or some say four, because pastor-teacher in, uh, in that text is kind of a hybrid gift of sorts. But in, but in those gifts, those are called equipping gifts oftentimes, or, or we're calling them ministry gifts, or, or some people refer to them as the office gifts. They're intended, it says right there in the text, to equip God's people. To, to empower them, to mobilize them, to do the work of ministry. It's partly what we're doing in this series, trying to equip you to do the work of ministry that God has called you to do. And, and then we have Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 6. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're, you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others or exhort others, be encouraging or, or, or exhort well. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Or one translation says, lead with all diligence. And if you have a gift of showing kindness or mercy to others, do it gladly. Do it cheerfully. Now, remember, those seven gifts mentioned there at one level are things that all followers of Jesus ought to be embodying in some way or another. But then there are also, of course, spiritual gifts, right? We all should be giving and serving and showing mercy and even teaching and prophesying to some degree or another. But then there's the spiritual gifts, which are special abilities given by God that God uses for greater impact to build up the body. So if we go back to Ephesians 4, and here's where we're going to dive into the gifts deeply. So, ready? 
Here we go. Apostleship. The divine enablement to start and oversee the development of new churches or new ministry structures. One way to think about this gift is think of, think of it as spiritual entrepreneurs or pioneers who, who take the gospel to new places or to an unreached people group. Often you find missionaries, right, this term we think, they go overseas or doing cross-culture work. Often you find them having this gift. The Apostle Paul, I think, had this gift. It says that God gave him a gift to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles in Ephesians 3. And the Gentiles at the time were an unreached people group. So he was a pioneer who pressed into new territory and started new things. Often church planters have this gift. Another gift is prophecy. We've talked a little bit about that from last week, but this is the divine enablement to reveal truth and proclaim with power and clarity in a timely and culturally sensitive fashion for understanding, correction, repentance, or edification. People with this gift, they see truth that other people don't see, and then they challenge people to respond. They often ask the question. It's like an intuitive question. They don't have to really intentionally ask it. It comes out of them, and it's the question, what needs to be addressed or what needs to be confronted? So we have a great example in our community of of someone with this gift in action, Ryan, our lead pastor. This is his primary motivational spiritual gift. And, And Ryan displays both the emotional intensity and the ability to communicate the necessity and urgency of bringing things into light. So often there are actions or uh, you could say activities in people's lives that they don't realize or see. Sometimes it's things hidden in plain sight from the person with the gift of prophecy. And they might be sinful things or harmful things to a person or or to the people around them. Or, Or maybe someone's minimizing the negative effects of sin and they don't realize how it's affecting others in a negative way. So we, as a community, get to receive this gift from Ryan as a speaker, but also as a friend and and a fellow follower of Jesus. And at times, he confronts things that need to be confronted as part of his gifting. So, for instance, take social media. At first glance, social media seems pretty harmless. But if you were with us a few number of weeks ago, we did a series called Lost in Real Life. And Ryan stepped into this moment and addressed this topic. Because when you think of social media, if you peer a little deeper into it and begin to analyze it, some negative effects of it begin to become obvious. I mean, you know, outing someone on Facebook, you know, publicly, that tends not to be something, you know, that goes unnoticed. Or, or, um, or sometimes a, a picture that's posted on Instagram is morally questionable, and we can recognize that. But then there's other elements that, that sometimes are darker elements that we don't see or the average eye doesn't see. So in our series, Ryan shined a light really on those hidden elements And he essentially called our community to engage and interact with social media in a different kind of way. We're not saying, oh, we're against it all, but but, but he called us to repentance in a sense. He talked about our tendency to do things kind of via social media that we would never do in person. I mean, things like blatant self-promotion or judging people purely on appearance or verbal attacks or slander. The list goes on. And if you were here for that talk, you would remember that there was such substance and power and impact and passion that came through the message. In fact, someone with a gift of prophecy often makes you squirm a little bit. And perhaps during that series, we were kind of squirming a little bit. Maybe you are right now, you know, on social media. But that's what the gift of prophecy kind of does. And sometimes we don't like that. They make us feel uncomfortable sometimes with sin. 
They remind us of what we believe, of who we believe in, and, and the fact that we ultimately want to align our lives with what we really believe in. Truth of the matter is, we all need, at times, a prophetic voice in our lives. We need someone to create a little discomfort because there's great value in productive discomfort. That feeling of conviction that moves us from the path of destruction to the path of life. In a sense, the gift of prophecy is akin, I think, to like a dead engine getting jump-started. So it's a positive jolt that gets sort of into your spiritual life and your spiritual engines start revving. When a person is using this gift, whether it's from the stage or in person, one-on-one, when they're using it to serve the body, we see the power of God being transferred like a current of energy into our spirit. It wakes us up to some reality that might be evading us or, or, or might call us to conviction or to change. I mean, that's a gift of prophecy at work. Perhaps you have that or know someone else who does. Then we have this other gift, the gift of evangelism. Now, when you think of the word evangelism, some of you might go immediately in your mind to like TV evangelist. I sometimes do when I hear that word. And that's not at all what this idea is, talking about what the Bible says. And so it, it's a lot more like this. So, so I have a friend who works at Apple, perhaps you might too, and their job title has the word evangelist in it. So they're an Apple evangelist, right? Starbucks has this too and other companies. They call them evangelists, literally. And the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, wow, that's funny, right? But what does an evangelist at Apple do? In, in short, they bring the good news of Apple to us, right? I mean, basically, and a lot of us get happy about that. Some of, that, some of us don't. We're like, no, I hate Apple, or whatever. But, but anyway, they bring the good news out. But more importantly, what they do is they bring whatever product we're talking about, they make it simple, usable, relevant, accessible. In other words, if you want to use it, if you want it, it is there for the taking, And I think in a parallel way, in essence, this is what someone with a spiritual gift of evangelism does. They bring the good news of their product, right? They bring the good news of this message, this gospel message, this eternity-altering, life-changing message. They bring the good news in a simple, usable, relevant, accessible way to a person who doesn't know God, who's never experienced God. I mean, that's what they do. If you want it, you can have it. If you want Jesus, if you want eternal life, it is there and available to you to be in a relationship. And people with this gift make this so accessible. If you want a definition of this gift, here you go. It's the divine enablement to relate well to those outside of Christianity and to effectively communicate the gospel in ways that compel people to respond in faith and come to know God. Now, here's an interesting fact. The longer someone is a Christian, a Christ follower, the research tells us the less and less friends they have or less and less people they know who are not followers of Jesus or not Christians, right, outside the church. But gifted evangelists are the opposite. They are drawn to that non-believing person. They are compelled almost daily to have a spiritual conversation with someone. They're not scared of it. They do it naturally. It, It comes out of them authentically. They show respect to people. And they're infectious communicators of the gospel. Often what happens through their sharing and through their life is people respond. They go, yes, it finally makes sense. I've heard 17 people. I've gone to four different churches. I can't make it make sense, but you made it make sense. That's often what this person who's gifted in this way does. And here's the other thing they do almost unintentionally, they inspire the rest of us that have less and less people in our lives that don't believe and we, and we maybe fear sharing Christ or sharing our faith, which, by the way, the Bible calls all of us who are followers of Christ to do. 
But, but these gifted evangelists, they inspire us. They move us. They, they change us in the way that we approach. They take us up current. And they help us to begin to share more of our lives. They ask this question inherently. Who doesn't know Jesus yet? And implicitly, they're saying, I want to talk to them. I want to share with them because this message has changed me and so many others. And I know it can change them. And then if we move through Ephesians 4, we also, we saw, of course, shepherding, which we talked about. And then you have the gift of teaching, which we talked last week about. And then you move to Romans 12. There's serving and giving in there, which, again, we talked about. Then you come to mercy. We, we mentioned that last week. But, but have you ever been around someone with the gift of mercy? You probably know if you have because, because they're sitting there in a moment. And they say to you perhaps something like this, did you notice that person was sad? Or did you notice that person is in pain or lonely or felt excluded? And you're like, no, I didn't at all. I was just thinking about what, you know, food or something. And some of the gift of mercy has this antenna that's up. That's like ding, 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 right? Like they're zeroing in on the pain. It's like empathy lived out or compassion. The word mercy literally translated in this text is to show compassion. So they activate their compassion and they extend compassion to that person in suffering, pain, hardship, trial. They're sad. Whatever the case, a person with a gift of mercy is one that you feel drawn to when you're going through such a hard time. And so if you think about someone in your life, perhaps you're in a hard time now. And I know you've been in a hard time because we all face hard things. And that person that comes to mind that, go, that you sort of go internally, you go, yeah, that's who I want to talk to. Or you're drawn to talk to them. A lot of times that person is someone with the gift of mercy because you feel that compassion. You feel like they're in it with you. They feel it with you. So a number of years ago, I did an internship. It was a three-year internship. I paid to do it, and I worked 50 hours a week in that internship. Just saying, but that's a story for another day. So I was in this internship, and one of the great things, it was amazing. One of the great things is I had a, had a spiritual director. It was like the internship director, and, and her name was Cheryl, and she had the gift of mercy. And, and she met with me every other week for about three years. And I remember sharing with Sherry, who we started dating along the way at the time. I remember with sharing with Sherry, she's so compassionate and loving and kind and merciful and so insightful as well. And so I'm like, you know, she really helped me spiritually and just kind of like become the person that, that I felt like God was calling me to become. And, and, and she helped a lot. But Sherry is like a, she's like a, I'll believe it when I see it kind of person more, more than me. And so she was a little like, yeah, that's great. You admire her, great. But until I see it, I'm not going to believe it sort of thing, you know. And she's not that crass with it. But, you know, by the way, she told me I could tell you that. So, um, so anyway, fast forward life. I finished the internship. Me and Sherry are married. We go through, we, we enter in a season of life that was emotionally and spiritually difficult. So we reach back out to Cheryl and say, hey, can we meet up? We need to talk through some stuff. And so we're driving. She was in San Diego. We were in L.A. at the time. And so we're driving through the glorious, you know, five freeway down to San Diego. And we're talking. And Sherry's kind of like, yeah, I don't know how this is going to go. Like, you really admire her, but I don't know, you know, how this is going to be. But I remember us when we got there with Cheryl. We sat down with her. And suddenly I just saw the tension and really the skepticism just almost immediately leave Sherry. Because she saw it. She felt it. And in those moments, and we met with her several times to work through some stuff, we felt nurtured, we felt cared for, we, we felt like empathy and compassion was just being poured upon us. I, I remember getting in the car and just saying to me and Sherry both, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for Cheryl. She's helping us work through this stuff. She's helping us feel understood. She's praying for us fervently with, with fervor. She's meeting us in our pain, and it's having an impact on us. It's helping us. A person with the gift of mercy carries within them a beautiful trait of God's mercy and compassion. 
They extend that dimension of God to us. They communicate that in their presence you are safe to be vulnerable, to be the real you, to be loved just as you are. And that all comes naturally to them. Romans 12, verse 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Now, a lot of us can rejoice with those who rejoice. We kind of get that, and we maybe even enjoy doing that, celebrating with somebody. But when it comes to weeping with those who weep, that's, that's a lot harder. But this is where the spiritual gift of mercy shines, where they go and they value and treasure the tears. They validate your struggle, and that is a gift indeed. And these people, again, help us experience the infinite mercy of God. They're asking the question, how can I make this person feel better? Or perhaps, how can I extend compassion in a tangible way to this person and care for them in that? That's a gift of mercy. And then a totally different gift, the gift of leadership. They, in essence, rally people together and help them accomplish a, a God-glorifying goal or, or, or task. They, they sort of see the target and point, this is where we're going. They take people from here to there. Here is where you don't want to be. Here is like not acceptable. They're discontent with the here, and they go, we're going to get to the there. Who's coming with me? They see the big picture. They compel people into their strengths. They provide direction. They call the best out of people. They inspire them forward. People follow them. They want the ball in their hands at the end of the game. They want to take the last shot. That's a gift of leadership. And they're asking, what's the goal and who do we need to accomplish it? Now, different is the gift of administration. And the definition here is the divine enablement to understand what makes an organization function. Sometimes people have both of those gifts together, but not necessarily, often not. The special ability to plan and execute procedures that accomplish the goals of the ministry. So literally in, in, in the Greek, the original language of the New Testament, in the Greek, this word is helmsman, and it means to steer or guide. So administration gifts are different than leading gifts in that leadership is someone who gets people to follow, not necessarily someone who talks loud or uh, could be, or, or even is strategic or, you know, is organized. Often they're, they're not. But leaders, they get people going somewhere on purpose. The gift of leadership is like the captain of the ship that says, we're going in that direction at this longitude, let's go. The helmsman or administrator steers and knows the most efficient way to get there. He or she knows if the sail should be up or down. Leaders don't have to be organized when they have an administrator with them. Leaders don't have to know how to get there. Often they don't. The helmsman knows how to get there. The helmsman has to look at the wind patterns and put the sails in the right direction. They have to figure out how exactly to get there. The administrator or helmsman is not who gets people to follow, but the one who helps find the most efficient path to get to the goal. Or the one who takes the chaos and harnesses it into an organized plan. They know what is needed to get there. They know how to get there. We love people with administration. Those of us who, has idea, who have ideas and want to lead, want to go somewhere, want to do something. Administration gives help us get there. Help us know how. I mean, they are thorough, objective, responsible. They're organized, goal-oriented, efficient, conscientious. And basically you're like, that's not fair, that gift. That's too awesome, right? But if you have it, right, it's a gift to so many people. You serve so many around you. 
All gifts are awesome, by the way. Exhortation and encouragement, or encouragement, right? And these words seem a little different. That's the next one here. This is translated called to come alongside of. Now, these words seem a little different. I want to explain. So, so this is not about telling people what to do. Sometimes people think with the gift of exhortation, you go around telling people what to do. That's not a spiritual gift. That's a spiritual curse, perhaps, to some. But, but, but it's a special ability to come alongside and make people feel this, this feeling of this person understands me. Or to motivate that person toward growth or wholeness is a key word here. So they're like a caring coach. And sometimes they confront Right, like a prophecy confronts, so it's confrontation. But other times, I'll call it, some people have deemed this term, carefrontation. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's not really confrontation. They're caring about you in the moment, but they are confronting something in a sense. Right? And it can come in the form of comfort or challenge or confrontation, an exhorter. They urge others to trust and, and put their trust and hope in the promises of God, to apply the truth from Scripture, they're positive, motivating, they're affirming, challenging, reassuring, supportive, trustworthy, persuasive. I have a longtime friend, Heather, who, who has the gift of exhortation. And a number of years ago, uh, she, she was a prominent leader at, at the church that Sherry and I were part of. We were dating at the time. And, and you know, some people, some people are really good at challenging others. Other people are really good at kind and encouraging words to others. And those are really both great relational skills and even to some degree character traits. But Heather had both. She, she merged both of those together in such a life-giving way. So Heather began to meet with Sherry and, and what was looked up to. And so she was kind of a mentor coach. And along the way, she, she noticed that Sherry wasn't really bought into the philosophy or really how the church did things, more or less. And so she didn't commit to serving. She was kind of on the outs a little bit. And along the way, she would complain a little bit about how we do things at this church and, and, and why she disagreed with it. And, of course, in, in a moment, and of course, and Heather oozes with kindness. I mean, she has genuine kindness. So in this moment, she asked Sherry, hey, can we meet? And so they sit down, and it kind of surprised Sherry, but she turned the heat up, really. And she, in essence, said to her, challenged her very directly, said, I've noticed that you have a lot of problems with our church. That is completely your right to have your own opinions. But I see a problem here, Sherry. You have so much to contribute. And by you being somewhere you're not on board with, you are depriving the church of your gifts. I think it's time you either leave here and find a place you feel God has called you to, right, leave the church, or we'd love for you to stay but you need to start contributing to change what you want to see happen here, to bring the positive change you want. And Jerry, of course, was taken back by it to some degree. But in, but in truth, she, she, she wasn't offended by it. In fact, Heather was, was spot on with what she was saying. Sherry, actually, in that moment, was inspired to step up and serve because Heather used her spiritual gift of exhorting, spoke directly to her in love, and it inspired Sherry to make a decision that was long overdue. So shortly after that meeting is when Sherry said, no, I'm turning up. I'm staying here. I'm going to stop criticizing and start contributing. That's what Heather challenged me to do. Heather also encouraged her by acknowledging the value that Sherry had to bring to that church, to that moment, to that community. Heather exhorted her that day, and it was a huge moment of impact and today, I don't even know, much like me and Adrian, I don't even know if Heather knows how impactful that conversation was. I mean, she saw some fruit of it after, 
But Sherry said that was a big moment that defined how I engage with the church from that day forward, even till today. Exhorters stimulate our faith. They help us make progress. They want to move us toward wholeness and godly living. And you could probably guess the question that they're always asking. It's something to the effect of, how can we move this person toward wholeness? Next gift, hospitality. This is one of those gifts everybody loves, right? I mean, prophecy is like, ah, I'm a little scared of you. Or discernment when they can read your motives. You're like, ah, I'm going to block my heart. I don't want you to read my heart. But this one is more like, yeah, hospitality, right? But this is a really significant gift. And some people don't think this is a spiritual gift or, or, or think, oh, just everybody should do this. But we've all been in a home that doesn't have hospitality gift at work. And we've been probably in a home that does. And there's a huge difference. This gift is the divine enablement to care for people by providing fellowship or community, food and and shelter or housing. Sometimes that's how it plays out. A special ability to create a safe and comfortable environment where people feel welcomed, valued, and cared for. Simply put, you know how to use your resources to refresh other people. I have a friend whose name is Isla, and Isla several years ago was a college student she, she was on a journey of, of discovering God and, and trying to get to know God. And, and along the way, she started coming to church. She get it, got some of her questions answered. She came to faith in Jesus, said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, which was so cool. And, and then right after that, uh, um, I, maybe my shepherding gift was at work, but I, but I talked to her. And I said, hey, one of the cool things about someone coming to faith brand new is, is you get to share your story. And your story is so fresh, and they can be so powerful. So like I was encouraging her, hey, share your story with other people. Um, and she was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not really like the evangelist type. I don't really do that. And, and my mind was thinking, okay, how can I help like her in this? And so, so what I thought is, is okay, um, I, what do you enjoy doing is what I asked her. And she said, well, I mean, two things I enjoy are I love hosting and I love making fondue. Random, but okay. And I was just like, ding, 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 ding. I was like, let's throw a party, Isla, and we'll just invite your friends to it. So you make fondue, and you host, and we'll just get people there. And she, like, came alive. She's like, yeah, I'll do that, you know. And little did she know what we were doing. But um, So I strategically selected a handful of people to come to that party that we, a couple of them had, like, the gift of evangelism. But it didn't matter what gift they had. Like, we were like, yeah, let's get our friends there. And, like, 40-something people came to the first one. And Isla's decked out in this, you know, apron full on. She's got cheese over there. It's like a cheese station and a chocolate station and the meat station. I mean, the whole thing. It's like everybody that heard about it afterward wanted to come. So, like, the next week it was, like, 50 people, 60 people, 70. And, by the way, she had a studio apartment. I mean, it was like a decently sized studio apartment. I mean, that place was packed full. They were moving furniture, you know, to the, to the outside. And, and after four or five of them, there were people literally lined outside the door. I mean, people want fondue that bad, I guess, you know. But, but I mean, Isla, it brought other people into it. She just lit up. She was alive. And the really cool thing that, that and this was our purpose in it, that Isla may or may not have known, uh, but, but some of the people that came, several of them actually ended up coming to our church, which is right down the street. And a few of those gave their life to Christ within the first six or 10 months after that. And she created this hospitable environment with her spiritual gift of hospitality that helped other people find and know God, that created community and a, and a deeper sense of purpose that brought people to our church, that ultimately brought people to, to Christ, right? which is so cool. And I just say to you, if any of you have the spiritual gift of hospitality, we need you in this community. This is not just a thing you like to do, although we're glad you like to do it. We need you to host things. 
And by the way, we have missional communities that are launching in September. And one, we need missional community leaders, which you can sign up for outside afterward. But we also need missional community hosts. So maybe you go, yeah, I don't really want to lead a group, but I would love to host a group once a week or every other week and, and bring people into my home and have someone else lead it. And we would, I would love to talk to you about that and what that all would mean. But we need hosts for, for missional communities, among other things. We want you to let us know if that's what your gifting is and what you love to do. Okay, next gift, a couple more here. The spiritual gift of wisdom. This one is wrapped into the 1 Corinthians 12 text. Sometimes it's called the word of wisdom, just like knowledge is called the word of knowledge. But wisdom is the divine enablement to effectively apply biblical truth in a practical way to meet a need in a specific situation. So the exercise of this gift skillfully distills insight and discernment into excellent advice. This is a powerful gift. People with this gift get a sense from God what a person in a moment needs. Sometimes they would say it's a God-inspired word that they give to someone, a piece of wisdom, and that person needed that word in that moment for that time. People with this gift sense from God these, um, these stirrings in their heart about what someone else needs. Now, the word in Greek for wisdom is Sophia, and it refers to this. The intimate understanding of God's word and his commandments, which results in holy and upright living. So in the context of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, it means to speak to the life of an individual or to a specific situation with great understanding and a righteous perspective, with the goal of guiding others toward a life of holiness and worship. So the Holy Spirit, God, gives some the spiritual gift of wisdom to not only impart truth and understanding to believers, but to invoke a response of holiness and worship lived out among your neighbors, among the people around you. People with this gift have a special ability to recognize where a decision or action may lead and they can warn against those that may be harmful or unfruitful. They can often see through the confusion of a situation that can give direction that would help an individual or a group obtain a God-glorifying goal. That's a gift of wisdom. Then we have the gift of discernment, which is another spiritual gift that literally means to separate or make a distinction, to differentiate. So in essence, this is, this is a special ability to discern truth from falsity or to discern sometimes uh, what's divine versus what's demonic or reality versus counterfeit, or true or false teaching, you, 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 um, you read that, or spiritual or carnal motives. People can read motives a lot of times. My, my wife, Sherry, has this discernment. And sometimes she says things like, what that person said wasn't true. It seemed like it was, but it wasn't. And I'm like, how did you know that? It's like they can read the hearts of people and, and, and sense truthhood or truth or, 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 or false. And here's an interesting thing about someone with discernment. They also know their own motives, so they don't get on a high horse about it, about their gifting, because they know their own ego, their own heart, that it can be deceptive, right? Jeremiah says the heart is deceptive about all things, and they are in tune with that, and it keeps them humble in that sense. Now, I don't know where all this lands with you. I don't know what one or two or three spiritual gifts you would say, yeah, I think I have this one, or maybe you have utter clarity, or maybe you knew coming in and you got a point of clarity, or maybe you're thinking about someone else in the room or at our church or beyond that that has this gift. But whatever spiritual gift you have or gift matrix, 
Here's what 1 Peter tells all of us. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And then he says, use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others or serving? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And then he says, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. I love that. I mean, wouldn't it be so cool if our church, if Awakening Church, if every single one of you knew your spiritual gift mix and you decided to do what Peter says, I'm going to use it well. I'm going to use it well to serve other people. I'm going to use it well to serve within this body. I'm going to let God use it to serve beyond what I could even imagine. I mean, your impact. Remember my shepherding moment. I didn't even realize I had an impact. Your impact will be strong. God wants to use you the way he crafted you. He wants to use you in relationships and friendships. He wants to use you in task-oriented things or in teams. He wants to use you in all different ways. It would be so cool to have a church that everybody said, yes, I'm in. In 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, there's this great verse, and it says, The eyes of the Lord... Search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for people like you and me, whose hearts are fully committed to him and are saying in their spirits and with their lives, I'm in. And you know what's so cool about the series? We're in week four, we're closing down the series. But what I've sensed both in, in this space and in lots of conversations I've had outside of this space, what I sense is at our church, we have this spirit that says, I'm in. I want to rise up and do my part. I want to serve. I want to build this thing because God is building this church. And he's inviting us to be part of it, to play a role, a specific role, and you have a necessary part. Your gift, your ministry at this church is not insignificant. And part of what we're trying to do and want to do in this series is give you the opportunity to not only reflect on what your spiritual gifts might be, but to take a next step. To rise up and say, yeah, I'm in with this. Because there's such power and beauty and potential in the local church when the local church is working right. And there's a lot of things that are working right here, but we need you to contribute in this community. The scriptures tell us that God will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And part of the church prevailing is you doing your part. You might be the foot or the hand or the brain or the eye, but you're part of the body. And God's brought you here for a purpose, I assure you.